Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I love to bring dynamic, badass women into this space, and LaVon Proverbs is no exception to that rule. I met LaVon back in October at the Courage Conference, and she is a woman who, when she walks in the room, the energy in the room changes. So we are going to be so blessed, and um, we're going to have a great time here as LaVon shares with us healing techniques for survivors, advocacy tips for allies and co-conspirators, and ways to move forward to address trauma and foster resiliency. I want you to know that LaVon is a New York native, a New York City native. She is a body and sex positive preacher, a pastor. What? Did I really just use all of those words in one sentence? I did. That's one of the things that I adore and I admire about her. She's really changing the conversation in faith-based communities. She's a transformational speaker, a spiritual life coach. She's a writer. She's a poet. She's an educator. Oh my gosh. And a conscious, creative, social entrepreneur. 
on top of all of that, this woman is an Emmy award-winning media producer, and she graduated from Seton Hall University, and she also went to Yale Divinity School. She went to Columbia Theological Seminary, where she completed her thesis, The Problem with Father, God, Incest as a Silent Killer in the Black Church. It's all about preaching, poetry, and sexual trauma. She is also the founder of Beautiful Scars, an online storytelling agency focused on trauma, healing, and resiliency. And her At Worst or Thrivers platform is a digital community for Black Christian women who are also survivors of childhood sexual abuse. So uh, in other words, I am damn lucky that I got her here to talk to me today because she has a lot of shit going on in her life. <laughs> Hey now. Welcome, LaVon. Thank you so much, darling one. I'm really glad to be here. So I am wondering if where we could start today is you talking a little bit about your journey. I'm so fascinated by this thesis work that you've done and your own, like how that your own journey with incest has really informed and influenced the work that you're doing. So maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you've arrived to be where you are today. Yeah, I invite folks to take a deep breath and lean in, you know, if you need a moment to gather yourself, because we're going deep real fast, do what you need to do for you. Um, because my life story has taken on a whole new um, trajectory since I started therapy and really started to turn my wounds into wisdom. Um, I realized that this culture of silence um, has just permeated family, church, and society. And the only way that we are going to end childhood sexual abuse is by sharing our stories, telling our stories, and of course, holding perpetrators accountable. And so as an incest survivor growing up in church, where we use family language, we use kinship language, right? We talk about how we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are God's children, and we are spiritual family. You know, I was conditioned religiously to believe that family is supposed to be kind and compassionate and loving. Um, yeah. But because I was being sexually abused by my biological father, there was cognitive dissonance. There were two very different realities. Um, the reason why I was valedictorian in sixth grade is because school became my safe haven, right? My teachers were my protectors. Um, and the folks who were supposed to protect me were actually my first perpetrators. So um, there was a lot of unraveling that I had to do around religion and my body, um, particularly as an incest survivor. And so I'm grateful that I have been able to take a dig deep into all of that, um, mm -hmm. interrogate my faith and my belief system, develop spiritual practices that speak to the woman that I am now, and move in such a way that I can help other survivors overcome their traumatic stories and also help communities to support us much better than they have been in the past. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, a process that seems to be ever, ever evolving, particularly in faith communities where, you know, we have such a strong tradition of silence and keep it within the, you know, the community. I remember when, you know, the abuse came out about my grandfather. Uh, he was a Jehovah's Witness mm -hmm. and my mom went to the elders of the church. And then that was that. It was like it went into this like black hole. Like what? <laughs> Just like disappeared, you know, like what, you know, and nothing was ever said. Nothing was ever um done about it and no further conversation and luckily we are starting to see a lot of that changing mm -hmm. 
something that really struck me from what you said there is, you know, in the context of faith communities where we do use, you know, that language that you're talking about, brother, sister, kin, I never really framed it fully in the sense of like how um, conflicting that layer will really be for somebody who's also experiencing trauma at home. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that, you know, really opened my eyes to just how pervasive child sexual abuse is, is mm -hmm. that the fact that perpetrators are typically people that we know, love, and trust, right? They're family yes. members, friends of family, teachers, coaches, pastors. And so even though this person may not be biologically related to you, um, there is a spiritual or social relationship there. And so incest has a more expanded definition when we include just people who are in our circle. And so many um, yeah. of us struggle, right, with trusting ourselves with men if they were the perpetrator or women if they were the perpetrator or um, people in positions of power. Um, we sometimes don't trust ourselves to discern, is this person a, a safe space for me? And so yeah. that's some work that we have to do to remind ourselves that uh, as we age, as we engage in our healing practices, to own our power. And that's why I love the work that you do, helping us to reclaim our body and our physical space is what helps us to reclaim our mental and our spiritual space and our expansiveness and our bigness in the world um, because we deserve to take up space, right? Yes, that little girl, that little boy um, wants to shrink, doesn't want to be seen because if I can shrink myself, maybe mm -hmm. you see me, right? Then as an adult, you're like, maybe if I shrink myself, then I won't bring um, criticism or I won't bring any type of negative energy. But it's like, no, the more you bloom, the more sun you get, but also the more rain you get. So as we grow and expand, we become more equipped to take on more attention. Um, and hopefully it's healthy, um, mm. non-toxic attention that helps us grow through, through yeah. all of this. Yeah, this whole process of, you know, being able to be seen, you know, following trauma, feeling like we're even connected into our body, like we even understand what that, what does that even mean? You know, um, you know, I was just talking with my clients last night about how, you know, when your first introduction to your physical sexual self is violation, then, mm -hmm. and, and you associate a body with like pain or violence or objectification, mm -hmm. or, okay, but this is your vessel, right? right. And so how right. do you continue to walk out into the world and connect not just with yourself, but with other people in that space? So that shrinking um, energy is so, so strong. Right. Uh, and you are anything but shrunk. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so give us some of your, like, your inner guidance with that. So we have the theory and the idea about yeah. how to take up space and be that but right. what in practice has that really looked like for you Lavon? that's so good um unlearning toxic religious dogma has been critical for me i know that childhood sexual abuse is something that transcends religion race socioeconomic status um and i know that this is not just happening in christian churches that it's yeah. happening in jewish synagogues and um muslim temples and other sacred spaces right and so yeah. Often religious spaces do not have holistic conversations around our bodies. And this is actually what I'm writing about right now is mm -hmm. that we have been bifurcated <laughs> between our bodies and our spirits for long enough. And now it's time for reintegration. So I know that there's going to be some sort of religious or social condition around the body being inherently bad or evil, something that must be controlled, particularly if you're in a woman's or female-identified mm. body, exactly. right? 
yes. extra layer of misogyny, the ingrained hatred of women that we have to uh, resist, uh, particularly in patriarchal religious spaces where the masculine form was deemed good and the leader and the feminine form was deemed bad and something to, to be mindful of or afraid of, right? Yes. And um, so this kind of warped sense of the feminine is something that we have to unravel um, because then we can see that in our feminine body and, and our power in our you know hips and our breasts and mm-hmm. our uterus we still have them intact in our stretch marks and in our jiggly bits on the back of our <laughs> arms <laughs> you know we begin to love every part of ourselves so yeah um realizing that the creator made me and um, my body is beautiful and a gift and everything that my body does naturally is is God-given. That has been just instrumental for me. Um, and that has led me to affirming myself, right? Doing right. affirmations in the mirror, looking at myself naked after I get out of the shower and taking the time to get some shea butter, some coconut oil and massage it into my skin and just say, I love you wrists. I love you elbow. Mm-hmm. I love you knee, right? Like the parts of ourselves that don't typically get a lot of attention or the parts of ourselves that we can be unkind with, you know, right. I have loved my cheekbones for forever and my clavicle for forever, but you know, I'm like, my tummy's a little fluffy. I'm almost 40 now. Okay. <laughs> not like when I was 17, right. <laughs> it's not supposed to be. And so That's yes, right. lucky tummy. I love you too, because you keep my core intact and that helps me to walk and walking helps me to run and running helps me to do my work and show up fully in the world. So just loving on our bodies. Um, Other things that I like to do because we live in the 21st century uh, is curating our timeline. So if I follow someone and I see them and I don't feel good about myself, it has nothing to do with that person and everything to do with what's going on with me. And so I mute them temporarily or I unfollow them completely until Mm -hmm. I am in a place where I'm like, I see this person and I see the beauty in them as reflected in the beauty in me. And I can celebrate this moment and double tap or comment and keep it pushing. Um, And so that's been really helpful. And then the last thing, well, last two things. Um, I recently cleaned out my closet and I got rid of everything that didn't make me feel regal or sexy. Like those were the two yes, those were your things. Oh, I love <laughs> that. And it was like it has to go. And I took everything to Buffalo Exchange, and um, they gave me a fifty percent store credit. And so I just went shopping for stuff that was new to me. Bought this badass red jumpsuit that just like hugs my hips, and my booty Ooh. perfectly. So excited to wear that. Um, and then I spend some time, and I do this every day now, just dancing in the mirror putting on some tunes that lift my spirits and keep my vibrations high and loving the way my body moves, um, especially because I am the one moving my body, because I am the one exploring my body, um, which definitely takes us to another layer of sensuality and sensual ownership. Beautiful. (laughs) Something that I'm really connecting to from what you shared there is the underlying kind of, I think, theme of what you just said is the space of like you got to be with your body got in to. order to take up space got to. yeah there's oh, this go, go ahead, ahead Rachel. you go I was gonna say so many of us uh dissociate from our bodies because yes. of the childhood sexual abuse yes 
if I if I'm in my body, then I'm gonna go back to that time. And there have been times where I have been dancing to my favorite reggae, soca, and calypso music in my dining room, and I do have a flashback to an incident with my abuser. Okay. Um, and in that moment, I honor it and I say. Levon, I'm so proud of you. You made it through this moment and look at where you are now and you are safe now. You're not mm-hmm. in that room anymore. You're not on that bed anymore. And I come back to my body immediately. So it's not to say that you're never going to be triggered or you're right. never going to have another flashback, but there's just something about being mindful in the moment and reminding you that you are safe. That's, that's really important to me for being in my body. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge so many of us uh, of us face when healing from trauma is separating past from present. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because the the brain can doesn't really have time the way that the mind right. does, right. and so we can barely, very, very easily get our wires crossed and be back mm-hmm. in a moment. So I loved even the languaging you just modeled there, like the way that you talk yourself through those moments. Like, hey, I'm not there. I'm not in that bed. I'm here yeah. in my home. I'm safe what is present what is real right now yeah and it takes effort it takes repetition it takes attention and awareness and even I think sometimes willingness I think there's a little bit of easiness that that is actually there and I say this with love everybody who's listening but what I've known from my own journey is that I can throw a pity party like the best hello right Right. and so (laughs) I have to sometimes be um, willing to to draw a line and say nope, not today. I have to pull myself out of that because nobody else is gonna. I'm the only one here. It's just me and my thoughts. Listen, so that is something that my therapist helped me process through. Shout out to Dr. Mm. B. Where would I be? But <laughs> um, she helped me to realize that as an incest survivor, I grew up feeling very entitled. I went through this traumatic experience. The world owes me X, Y, and Z. She was like, baby girl, the world don't owe you shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I let that sink in, I was like, yes. So, you know, fam, your woundedness may not be your fault, but your healing is absolutely positively your responsibility. Yes. And so that sounds, I think, harsh or callous, depending on where you are in your healing journey. But it's actually really empowering because it means that you have resources, you have access. And there is something you can do to begin or or, uh, or deepen your healing journey. And so that is good news, right? At the time of this recording, this is Good Friday. We need some good news. (laughs) That's true. Oh, my gosh. That's right. This collective pause, this collective time where we get to breathe and go inward and do our shadow work and work with Coach Rachel and work with Coach Levon and work with Coach whomever your spirit is feeling attracted to yeah. um, to really unpack what you've been running from. You know, we've been working nine to five. We've been working our five to nine. We've been getting these degrees. We've been going out on dates. We've been creating YouTube channels and never really doing the hard, gory, grotesque work of healing. Mm. healing is not sexy no it's messy will make you sexy yeah but we got to get there (laughs) (laughs) unfolding to the oh i love that journey yeah healing will make you sexy that is like a quote of the day (laughs) (laughs) healing is like oh i'm going to bali and i'm going to be in the coconut milk bath with the pretty flowers i'm going to get a facial on the side now don't get me wrong i love a good spot yeah i actually picked off my gel manicure my manicure is when we finally (laughs) see each other she's going to be like ma'am but anywho, I need to paint my nails, girl. So, <laughs> so I'm here for it. But healing 
is actually going into the deepest, darkest depths, the most silenced and suppressed and repressed yeah. parts of yourself and calling it up in community now. Now, I'm not telling you to do this alone, right? Have yeah. your cabinet of support. Um, but to honor the grief, the anger, the rage, all of the emotions that we as, you know, good girls or good boys or good children are, are not supposed to express, but there is plenty good room for your anger and your rage, and you have every right to be angry. Yeah. Well, I second all of that. Mm-hmm. When you were sharing about that place of like the the going into the deep dark, yep. I can remember a time in my life where that felt completely unreasonable (laughs) like I would be sitting listening to you if this was like my my 20 year old something listening to the podcast she would have been like I would have like delete right now like turn it off not (laughs) listen any further like what do you mean and I think to reiterate a really important thing you said there is that this is not dive in all by yourself it is find who is going to be your mentor and your guide to help you lean in but at the end of the day it is a part of you getting to that place where you're so sick and tired of how your life is mm-hmm. that you're willing to take that jump. Absolutely. You you yeah. come to that moment when you are ready, right? No yeah. one can push you into that. I remember before I really deepened my healing journey, I would have spent, I'd just gotten accustomed to sharing my story and it got mm-hmm. to the point where that was the first thing that I would say to people. Like, hi, my name is LaVon. I was sexually abused by my dad for five years as a child. It was like, Wait a minute. So um, Mm. over time, because that part of my life had been suppressed for so long, it was almost like once I peeled back the top, it was like a geyser. Like everything just happened. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. the main thing I got to talk about. Over time, it became a part of my story as opposed to the definition of my story. It became a part of me, but it didn't define me. So there are times where I do work. And it doesn't come up. And it's not to say that it doesn't matter in my life or I don't want other childhood sexual abuse survivors to know that I'm in it with them. It's just that I also know that there are steps (laughs) to get there. And I can't just come in and bulldoze you and expect you to be able to share. Mm -hmm. Some people have healed and will never share their story. Some people are just healing and want to scream it from the rooftops. And wherever you are on the journey, is completely fine. Mm, yes, yes, yes. I remember that moment in my my life too, where it's like, oh, uh, I don't have to be silent about this anymore. Great. I'm like, <laughs> anybody and everybody, you right. got to have hey, a lesson on drama. It's <laughs> a bus stop. Yeah. One of the things we talk a lot about in Beyond Surviving is that you know we're not meant to experience trauma as a life sentence and that really the the bottom line objective in my work with my clients is that these experiences of trauma become a thread that is mm-hmm. a part of the tapestry of their life. For those of you who are watching the video, right, this beautiful tapestry that's right there behind you, it just really resonates with me because it's like, yeah, oh. you see all the layers and everything that makes up that construct of this tapestry and when we're really really stuck in that trauma it's like the 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 light is being shown just on that part of our life mm-hmm. and I think there's something to be said about those spotlight moments right Where they need to happen they have to get stuck there but you don't want to get stuck there but especially because as children we felt 
so invisible. We felt so silenced. And so now our adult selves are like, you're going to see me. You're going to hear Mm -hmm. me. It's like, Mm -hmm. yes. And when you have the spotlight on you, when the microphone is in your hand, what are you going to say? Are you just going to spew from an unhealed place or are you going to offer some sort of medicine from your Mm. book? Are you going to be able to transmute, right, that energy where we are, we are spiritual alchemists taking this horrific, horrifying Mm -hmm. uh, event in our life and saying, even in spite of experiencing this, I have healed to the other side. Here's how I did it. Here's how you can do it. It will look different because we're different people, but it is possible. And I think that's the hope that we offer is possibility. Absolutely. Would you say that's kind of when you talk about the medicine of the wound, by the way, fabulous. Uh, Yeah. Like, would you say that that for you is that hope or is there something else layered in there for you? What is the medicine that you feel like you now have the opportunity to to offer other people as a result of the the abuse you've experienced upon? Yeah, that's such a juicy question, Rachel. I think the hope that I have to offer is that living your fullest, most joyful, most pleasurable life comes from radical self-acceptance and self-love. And you cannot love what you do not give attention to, and you cannot heal what you don't reveal. And so the longer that you resist, honoring your truth and your survivorhood, the longer you are delaying your very full, pleasurable, joyful life, because you cannot jump. It's not a hurdle. This is not a a race. You you cannot skip over it and just try to get to the next phase. The only way through it is through it. So you got to get into that cave and you got to take out whatever uh, Mm -hmm. tool you have and chip away at it bit by bit. Because the moment you think, ah, okay, I've dealt with my rage. Here comes, <laughs> I've dealt with my betrayal. Here comes yeah. my rejection. I've oh, dealt yeah. with my, you know, Here's every time mm-hmm. I'm on the phone, my therapist, I'm like, I feel really strong today. I'm in a great place. We're just going to kiki like we're at happy hour. And then it's like, nope, here comes a bit of unworthy. Yeah. Nope, yeah. here comes a bit of self-sabotage. So child is always something. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really powerful message to offer, which is that, you know, hope and possibility is not the space of like, oh, I'm just going to like do this little beautiful checklist and then life will be rosy and sunny for every single day because life keeps happening. Challenges keep arising. We can find other layers of ourselves. That doesn't mean we always have to be digging around to try to find it, but if it's showing up, if it's presenting to you, then there's a real opportunity to just up level and take it up another another notch. And I think in many ways, that's maybe, um, will you tell me, I love when you when I saw you present at the Courage Conference, you know, one of the first things you talked about was this, you know, beautiful word that you've, you know, manifested of sort of thriver. Yeah. And it super resonates with me, of course, because the concept of beyond surviving, I think, is in the same lane. But But tell us what that really means to you. Yeah. So when I was in grad school, I was studying Christian social ethics and Black women's issues. And when you look at the numbers, of course, white women, Asian women, Latinx women were all being affected by it. Um, But I discovered that upwards of 70% of Black women are sexually abused before they turn 18 years old. And so when I thought about just how many women that is, um, I realized that 
I had seen black women starting businesses, getting degrees, doing the best that they could without having like safe carved out protected space to process through all of this. And so like this word survivor kept coming up and I was like, I'm supposed to identify as a survivor. This is what the research is telling me. I was like, but I'm in seminary full time. I'm an acclaimed spoken word poet. I have deep, like beautiful community. Uh, I was like, I'm not surviving, I'm thriving, I'm flourishing. And I was like, huh. I'm a survivor. So a survivor is a person who flourishes despite facing life's harsh, extenuating circumstances. And so I invite you, your listeners, to self-identify as survivors. Um, I think it pushes us beyond the conversation where folks are getting like, you know, hashtag me too fatigue and mm-hmm. hashtag church too fatigue. Mm-hmm. That um, being labeled a survivor can be another sort of re-traumatization of yeah, people. yeah. Oh, you're a survivor, like. Well, um, excuse me, maybe you should be flabbergasted and exasperated with perpetrators and rape culture. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. But to say that I'm a survivor, again, it feels very empowering. It feels very hopeful. It feels very forward thinking. And um, that's the the dream that even though life started out really shitty for us, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to stay there. And I am not a betting woman, but, you know, I assure you that it won't stay there if you are willing to do the work. Yeah, I think it's almost literally impossible to stay there if you will, are willing to do the work, if you lean in um, and you find the mentors and the guides who can really speak into your life and bolster you and keep nudging you along and kicking you in the ass when you need it, um, you know, all of those things. And you're right. I, I had a similar um, dissonance, like, ooh, I don't really like that, you know, who wants to, like, survive their life, like, that doesn't sound appealing at all. Right, not at all. Yeah. That's why we were put on earth. I don't think we were put on earth to drudge through 20 years of schooling, to drudge through 40 years of some cubicle job, to, you know, savor a bit of life as a retiree and then die like we were put on this beautiful magical majestical earth you know to steward it and each other and so Mm. that's why I think this moment is so critical because mama earth is healing herself I think um, if you have the resources and the wherewithal that now's a great time to heal yourself. I realize that this sheltering in place is not safe for everyone, that there are women right. and children who are trapped in homes with their abusers. I realize that there are some of us who do not have homes to shelter in. And so I think it reminds us that we have to protect the most vulnerable and marginalized mm-hmm. among us. Um, and sometimes the most vulnerable and marginalized among us is the little child that's still living inside of us. And mm-hmm. so if we're feeling triggered, if we're living with anxiety, I'm diagnosed with PTSD, like just getting through a day is enough. If you thought about taking a shower today, it's a win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Take a shower. You just, you know. You don't have to think about it. Hey, you know, I know, I know. It's so true. Cool. That's so true. No problem. This is a really important um, piece of the puzzle that you're conveying here is that healing is not grand, big, huge leaps. It really is those daily little moments, the daily accounting. And that is what ultimately adds up to shifting into this space where you reclaim your life. Right. Yeah. And you reclaim your life by reclaiming your agency, right? You realize my body is mine. 
Um, yeah. In religious spaces, we're taught that it belongs to this divine being and that we are not mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, we are taught at young ages that we're supposed to listen to adults and go give your uncle a hug. Like, even if you don't right. really want to, we're, we're conditioned to believe that we have to do what other people say with our bodies. Um, and that is not true. That is false. Mm-hmm. Um, your body is your body. And so when you're in your body, you know, if you have working faculties, if you're healthy, you can see, you can taste, you can touch, you can smell, you can feel, you know, and so activating your senses is going to be a helpful step on your healing journey, because if you surround yourself with things that taste good, nourishing food, Mm. things that smell good, delicious oils for your body, or, you know, that look good and smell good, like beautiful flowers, um, you surround yourself with beauty, you start to become beauty, you, you start to desire beauty, and then you start to desire pleasure and getting in touch with your wants and your needs. Um, because it's not just about sexual desire, although sexual desire is amazing, especially when you come into your own and you heal yeah. beyond sexual shame. Um, but I mean, just knowing what brings you joy. I ask mm-hmm. myself multiple times a day, every single day, what would bring me joy right now? And I do that thing, right? Um, My partner was like, are you drinking water out of a wine glass? And I was like, I absolutely am. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's what I've been doing. Um, And so thinking about what brings you joy is counterintuitive to social conditioning for women. Because we're told to put other people's needs before our own. And when you really are selfish and you say, what would bring me joy? What would Mm -hmm. make me happy? Some of us are uncomfortable with lavishing that kind of attention on ourselves. But I don't want you to be like a woman that I met um, at one of my keynotes in Minneapolis who shared this story where she had four children and she loved cooking breakfast for them every Saturday and then they would spend the day together. Beautiful, right? Just like a gorgeous family ritual. Mm. And she's like, it wasn't until my last child went to college and I was going to make eggs one Saturday morning when I realized I didn't know how I liked my eggs made. Right. For for years, she had been making eggs the way her children liked them. Mm -hmm. When they weren't there, she didn't know well, how am I supposed to make these eggs? Can you imagine going through life not knowing how you like your eggs? I know, right? Yeah. Something that seems so simple, wow. but speaking of how she was so focused on else's needs and desires, right. that she can give herself the time to figure out that I like them scrambled or I like them mm-hmm. over easy or whatever. So know how you like your eggs. Start there. <laughs> yes, LeVon. Oh, it's so real, though. I, I, So many of my clients come into the work with this idea of, like, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. And I'll simply say, do you like coffee or tea? Hello. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, do you like coffee That's or so tea? so good, Rachel. They're like, I like coffee. I'm like, great. You know who you are, at least as far as coffee and tea. Sure. Like, right. You know, our essence and our sense of who we are, we can make it this really big, like, airy, fair. Like, no, it's just like, what are your preferences? What brings you joy? What are your likes? What are your dislikes? That is the, you know, it seems so basic. Isn't that just too simple? But I think at the end of the day, that really is, you know, in so many ways, the heart of who we are. Right. We love the things that matter to us, the things that we care about. I often sometimes say, too, like, well, what pisses you off? That'll tell you about who you are, too. Hello. Right. Absolutely. And I think that absolutely has something to do with 
religion and society, right? Making us feel like there's some great big thing out there Uh, we have to work to get closer to. And it's like, no, actually, it's to go inward, right? Oprah talks about getting silent, getting quiet and listening and just saying, hey, self, what do you like? And mm -hmm. figuring out, figuring out from there, everything that you need is already on the inside of you. You just have to listen. You just have to remember. That's our job. Our job is to get quiet, to listen and to remember because our abuse helped us, not helped us, our abuse caused us to forget. Um, our trauma causes us to forget. Yeah. Um, our trauma causes us to run and be busy. So there's a lot of noise, a lot of chatter, a lot of clinging it, you know, like that mm-hmm. static. Well, I don't know if this happens anymore because you remember we had real TV. <laughs> we and like yes. we a station where there was no visual. Nothing. Either. Right. Right, so yeah, they don't know that, but well, dating ourselves a little bit, but that's okay. Y'all can Google it. You can be like old people TV, and then you'll find out what we're talking about. Okay, (laughs) I heard you're not fine, fine until you're forty. So I'm like, I'm on track. Hey, how old I am? Yes. Oh my goodness. But yes, we have to get still enough to allow the quiet to wash over us. Um, and I know that in those moments, hard things are gonna come up but it's coming up because it's time for you to release it. Powerful. LaVon, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back and talk more about allyship, and I want to hear more about your um, organization, Beautiful Scars. We'll be right back. Are you fed up with missing out on life because of fear and anxiety? One of the hardest aspects of being afraid is that the fear and anxiety takes on a life of its own. A single moment becomes a defining moment. You know, one person hurting you becomes a fear that everyone will hurt you. Our fears and anxieties are not to be taken lightly. They can be so strong that they immobilize us. But there is a way out. And during my 60-minute masterclass, I'm going to share with you the keys to unlocking the cage of fear and anxiety so that you can finally do the things you love and obtain the things that you want in your life. Go now to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash fear dash class and download your MP3. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, everyone. So, LaVon, one of the things that I know is really dear and near to your heart is supporting people and understanding how to be allies. I love this word co-conspirators as well. I'd love for you to lean into that and break that down for us a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I saw a co-conspirator from one of my dear colleagues, Michelle Kim. She does um, multicultural work in the Bay Area, particularly around anti-racism and anti-bias and work like that. And so... um, when we think about allyship, ally is such a flat word. It's a noun. It just kind of lays there. Whereas a co-conspirator is one who actively carves out space for marginalized voices. And when they have the mic, they don't speak. They pass it to someone and amplify their voice. Um, and so I feel like co-conspirators use their privilege. Um, they call out systems of oppression. They don't put the onus on survivors to continually be the ones coming to the forefront to say, hey, let's raise awareness. Hey, this is a problem, right? Um, They carry 
a large portion of the work. And so for me, I prefer co-conspirators to allyship because it's, it's active, it's ongoing, it's systemic, and it's a selfless um, expression of love and concern for your neighbor. Um, so that's where co-conspirator came from. Wow, I love that. Every time I talk to LaVon, she expands my vocabulary. <laughs> It's so good. I remember over drinks at a Chili's after we were yes. celebrating. After I was like, break this down for me. What, what do you mean oh, by Lord. pandemic? What do you mean? And now here we are. I'm like, oh, look, now I have a perfect example of what it, it looks like with this. Right. Yeah, but it's really powerful because words do matter. They, do. they shape and frame the conversation. So when we frame sexual trauma as a pandemic, and then when we think about solutions and how to address that as bringing together people as co-conspirators, right. you're right. It totally changes the energy and the intention of what we're doing. Absolutely. And when I think about language and and the words having power, it makes me think about the power of storytelling, which is so critical because statistics don't always change people, but stories do. Yeah. And there's also a flip side to that that gets me a little irritated sometimes, Rachel, because I'm like, mm -hmm. how many gory stories do you have to hear before you honor that this is a problem? Like, yeah. why do you have to hear testimony after testimony of adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse before you're like, oh my gosh, this is a problem? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, at the time Good of this recording, it's April, it's Sexual Assault Awareness Month, it's Childhood Sexual abuse prevention month um, but the fact of the matter is that we know the numbers and we know that the numbers are low because it's so underreported so yeah. you just don't care about children is what you're telling me you don't Ooh. care about girls and women mm. like we don't need any more research we need yeah. people to end rape culture and patriarchy and um, stop protecting perpetrators that's what yeah. we need but I also realize that perpetrators are typically people in power. And so if you yeah. them, then your power is going to be shaky. And so now we're rocking with the set. We're messing with Ooh, the set. It's a whole system. Like yeah. I think that, you know, when people say like bringing down the patriarchy, right, that's a little bit of what you're, you're, you're talking about is breaking apart those systems right. that allow these sorts of things to perpetuate. Exactly. But what it takes to break it down is a total disruption of what people who are um, privileged take yep. as, like, wait a minute, you, I'm going to have to give up something here. Right. And that's going to take something from them uh, that maybe they're not yet willing to give up. And so how do we keep pressing against that mm -hmm. even so? And that's the difference between equality and equity, right? Equality Correct. is like oh yeah everyone gets the same and it's like equity like no everyone gets what they need and yeah. that means some of you have more than you need so you should not have as much as you have and yeah. that's where things get tricky for folks and that's why I think with everything that's happening with COVID-19 like we are seeing the radical disruption of white supremacist capitalism right we're seeing yeah mass disruption of um, productivity and people living to work as opposed to being creative human beings who are in community and have just what they need, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's literally only so much money you can spend <laughs> at a certain point. Like, yeah. you know, come on, you just don't need that much. And so right. I'm delighted that we're seeing that the system isn't serving us, that the system right. isn't sustainable, that we might look at um, capitalism as just a way of life, 
but not realizing that capitalism is actually fueling childhood sexual abuse because mm -hmm. you have this system where it's set up where you have to make money in order to survive in it well and then the stress of earning money and mm -hmm. then the people who are sick or who are pedophiles who are pedophiles, who are, are rapists, right? Like if they figure out how to get ahead in the system, then yeah. they're going to be protected by their money. They're their shielded. Status. They're totally Precisely. shielded. Precisely. So it's all interrelated. And so I'm just hopeful that when we heal to the other side of this uh, global health crisis, that there will be a complete change where we will be able to live in a more just and equitable world. Mm. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> double, double, double. Because something has to give, you know, something ultimately has to give. I, it really, um, it really struck my heart when you were saying, like, how much more research do we damn well need? Uh, I think that's a really powerful place to go in the sense of, it really needs to stop being about trying to figure out what, what is happening. And right do something about it right the so interventions the systems that need to change go ahead yeah when um i i think about my work around beautiful scars which yes i launched officially in 2018 and it was the title was taken from a blog where i was just talking about stories and really hard life issues you know i don't think there's anything that's taboo in my world. I think the English language will go wherever we go mm. if we just have the courage to go there. Um, and so I realized that I was hearing so many stories from so many different people. I mean, Rachel, you know, as a fellow survivor, as a fellow coach, like sister coach, like I would get my nails done. 45 year old white woman, yeah, my uncle have lunch with a 33-year-old Black guy, former football player, my buddy, mm -hmm. and my coach. And I'm just like, <laughs> right. This, yeah, there isn't any corner you can find where it's like abuse-free. Yeah. It doesn't matter, race, gender, creed, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's everywhere. And I'm like, the fact that it's everywhere and we're not talking about it, I'm like, that does not compute. So mm -hmm. um, being able to have, to sort to resource stories for folks who are willing um some survivors find that it's helpful to share their story they feel empowered they feel like you know they have the control that they're not being silenced anymore um and so i also know that other people find strength in knowing that they didn't go through this alone some of us when we are abused as children right the only person in the world oh my gosh so true which is why, you know, Toronto Burke's Me Too movement is so, it was just so pervasive and so mm -hmm. popular because we're like, actually, many, most of us, as a Black woman, most of us have gone through this. Right. Um, and so Beautiful Scars has been an avenue for Black Christian women in particular to say, this happened to me. Um, and I want to do something about it, but maybe I don't know what, but it starts with just saying, this is the truth. Because for yes. those who repress and suppress and try to forgive and forget and let go and let God and all this really toxic ideology, mm. not even ideology. Mm. Um, you can't forgive without acknowledging the wound. The pain. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Forgiveness is inherently confrontational. And so I don't think. Um, we should be pushing women uh, or men or people of faith to
to forgive something when we haven't even created space for them to be believed in the first place. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that the truth? We don't really care about what happened. We don't really even believe it happened. So, but go ahead and forgive and let this guy, you know, or woman off the hook. It's such a culture of um, bypassing the person's Mm -hmm. pain because they are not ready to face their own pain. They're not ready to handle it. They're not ready to to actually dig into those conversations and deal with it. Accurate. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for me, I realized that, particularly as a religious leader, that I could not be in a pulpit or a sanctuary every single Sunday lifting up childhood sexual abuse. I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to do this outside of parish ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's why I took to new media, because first of all, the internet. <laughs> you know, why not bring your message to a global audience from the comfort of your home? You know, yes. people have a beautiful home. Um, and so I realized that I could create a digital community where people would have some semblance of um, anonymity, and they would be able to share as much or as little as they wanted. You know, it wasn't like. Uh, in front of an entire church or it wasn't at a big rally you know it's like dm me or you can send me a note anonymously or you know but you get it out um yes yeah out is just such an important step in our healing um and so yeah i just love creating where we can bring the best of our religious backgrounds and you know integrate it with our newfound spiritual practices and create just this beautiful mosaic of sacred space that speaks to us culturally, spiritually, and socially. Yeah. And, you know, I have a, I have deep appreciation that this space is for, for black women because uh, I think there's, first of all, just a, a lack of resources, period, for people mm-hmm. of color mm-hmm. and, um, and that there are very real um, layers of trauma that black women are going to be processing and working yeah. through that just quite frankly, people who are not a people of color are not dealing with. Right. So I think that's powerful. And, and one of the reasons why I really wanted to highlight beautiful scars and at worst or thrivers, because for, for those of you who are listening, um, who are looking for a space like that, I mean, don't even wait a second, like pause <laughs> this, go to the webs, figure out where LaVon is. I'll have all of it in the show notes where you can connect with her because you do not want to pass up on having LaVon in your life having her guidance, having her support, having her wisdom and helping guide you through, you know, things that quite frankly, a white chick from Oklahoma just can't. So, <laughs> so do that. Okay. I appreciate your honesty. You know, you got to know what's your lane and what's not. And then yeah. when you realize something is beyond your area of comfort or expertise or what have you experienced, you know, have a list of resources available, right? Yeah. Like I know that I am a woman of color, but there's a particular nuance in the Korean Christian church, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm a woman of color, but um, growing up with abuela, right? I'm not Thank Puerto you. Rican. Yes. I'm not Puerto right. like, I know that there are different cultural nuances. So yeah, yeah, I think as women, we have to have these like really big gathering spaces. But I also realize that in those spaces, sometimes there can be um, passive aggression. There can be... Mm. Um, Um, racism, there can be, you know, just not kind interactions (laughs) among 
women of color and non-women of color, particularly black women um, and non-black women of color because of anti-blackness in our culture. So like they're just, like you said, so many different dynamics. Um, And so I think it's important that you just find multiple spaces where you feel fed, right? Like there's something with folks who, um, you know, identify with the gender you identify with. Maybe there's something that's racial. Maybe there's something that's ethnic or cultural or religious or you know you like baking I don't know yeah whatever it is find your tribe is what I'm trying to say that's right that's right absolutely we can be fed from many rivers and so yeah absolutely take from me what works and what helps and Mm -hmm. soothes and serves and then take from Levon and then find other safe spaces to, to to layer that in I love that so very much Oh my God, I literally could just sit here and continue to talk to you and talk to you and talk to you. I feel like I need like LeVon part one, two, three, and four. Um, You are just such a beautiful powerhouse woman. Um, You are divine. And um, I just always feel lifted up and encouraged and inspired um, whenever I have the gift of being in your presence. So um, thank you. It's been such a blessing to have you here. Do you have any final words, offerings for our listeners today? Yeah, absolutely. So, darling one, I want you to know that I see you, I hear you, I acknowledge you, and I believe you. And what happened to you was wrong. It wasn't your fault. And you didn't do anything to deserve it. Um, The divine is pissed about it, and so am I. And I just am so delighted that you are listening to this message, that you are listening to spirit, Um, if that's something that your belief system includes, um, whatever is nudging you, right, mm. on this journey, um, I invite you to lean into that, to trust yourself. You are trustworthy. You are worthy. And um, there is so much beauty waiting for you on the other side of this. 100%. Please <laughs> go check out Levon at levonp.com. And I'll also include the links to the other resources that we've talked about today in the show notes. And just thank you, everybody, for tuning in, for listening. You're so appreciated. Um, You can also pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com to check out the resources there. Um, learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and please be sure to subscribe to the podcast leave us a note leave us some comments and then come back next time because we have so much more to share and until then take good care of you Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.